This is The One Thing Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rindy. The One Thing Podcast brings together leaders in functional and naturopathic medicine to discuss actionable information that may unlock puzzles in the areas of gut health, brain health, metabolism, and longevity. Please note, these episodes do not replace the opinion of your doctor. They are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition. Please discuss this information with your provider and discuss your own unique personal health history before adapting this information. Please subscribe to our episodes so that you can stay on top of the most current information in these areas of medicine. And now to today's episode. Estrogen problems may be linked to symptoms of bloating, constipation, menstrual irregularities, weight gain, low libido, and also conditions like PMS, acne, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and breast cancer. The link may be explained by the estrobolone, which was first mentioned in 2011 by Plotel and Blosser as the aggregate of enteric, meaning gut, bacterial genes whose products are capable of metabolizing estrogen. Simply put, some bacteria in the gut may be causing increased estrogens to recirculate into our blood instead of being eliminated. Obviously, if this is going on, it's not so great. In this episode, I welcome one of the leaders in hormone health, Dr. Carrie Jones. Dr. Carrie Jones is an internationally recognized speaker, consultant, and educator on the topic of women's health and hormones. In this episode, Dr. Jones is going to speak with us about the estrobolome, what it is, how it's measured, and what we can do about it to make sure it's balanced. So without further delay, I welcome our guest, Dr. Carrie Jones. Dr. Jones, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. It's great to have you on today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the invite and of course talking about my favorite topics. So this will be great. Yes. Yeah. It's uh you're welcome. It's um really good to speak with you. I want to first just send a big thank you for all that you've done for not only patients, but also our, us providers with all the great education that you're providing um, with what you do. Um, I think I've taken three continuing edu- education courses from you and I've learned a lot and you're doing so much and you're very generous with your knowledge. So thank you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Education is, it's, uh, it's the, it's fun. It's the one thing. It's the one thing I'm, I uh, really try to do with uh, my, you know, social media or on podcasts or in webinars. So I'm really happy to continue that here. Excellent. Yeah. So I've never actually heard what was the kind of key for you getting into endocrinology and hormone health? Like who are some of the mentors and some of the background you had that kind of led you into this space? Man, that's such a good question. So I've always known that I wanted to go into, um, women's health. And once I figured out specifically, I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor in school. My mentor was Dr. Kimberly Winstar, and she uh, was one of the big women's health uh, experts in the naturopathic school. And I loved what I was learning so much. And it came, it, it hormones are hard, but it came relatively easy to me. And it was something that everybody struggles with <laughs> in some point in their life, men or male or, or female, it doesn't matter. And so I did my residency in um, hormones and, you know, endocrinology 
and then continued on from there with my learning and conferences that I took and books that I read and research articles. And I obviously did. I mean, I, I, I incorporate, of course, gut health and, you know, the thyroid and but I never went into my friends would go into heavy metals and I had friends that would go into regenerative medicine and for, you know, injections. And I had friends that went into aesthetics and I had friends that delivered babies and I just stuck to my lane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hormones is what I know. And that's what I, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so like Dr. Winstar, did she have a, a specific teaching style that worked for you? She's just an incredibly generous person who loved to educate and, she really was just very empathetic. She taught me very early on, like how to hold space for a patient um, and, you know, how to, how to hold space for yourself as a practitioner. She had a very successful clinic and I thought, why reinvent the wheel? I'm just going to literally do everything that she does because she was teaching, right? She was teaching it to us. Mm-hmm. So I took copious amount of notes and, um, and I, I learned how to sit with a patient and really listen. She was a really good listener. She was, you know, really all about the story. And like I said, she could just really hold space for a person if they were breaking down, if they were crying, if they were angry, if they were suicidal. And so I got to see a lot of emotion in patients. And, and when I graduated, even though I was new, uh, I wasn't afraid. And I, and I knew that when I worked with primarily women, women primarily who came to see me that, you know, I could, a lot of health, a lot of hormones is, is listening and just listening and holding space and hearing their story and, and, you know, validating like, yeah, it's, you're not crazy. It's not in your head. This is actually going on. And it, it makes such a huge difference um, when you're working with hormones and women are telling you all their symptoms. And I think by learning that early on with Dr. Winstar, that's what got me um, really into it. And I've stuck with it this whole time. Well, that makes sense. I mean, there's so many elements to the, the hormone intake and, you know, no, no two people are alike. So that makes sense that that was a skill and a, a modeling that really, you know, really influenced you. Yeah. It's funny. I would, I would joke that I like gossip and I don't mean it in the, you know, like <laughs> lower level sense. I mean it in the, like when, when women would come in and they would go, I can't sleep and I'm so stressed out. I, most conventional practitioners would go, okay, here's Ambien. And here's an antidepressant, you know, check, you know, good luck. Yeah. And I was like, well, why are you, why can't you, like, why are you so stressed out? What's going on? And then I would, I'd want to know like what's going on in your relationship and what's going on with your job and what's going on with, you know, how you feel. And, and, and I became, um, I had more patients say to me, I, I'd rather come see you than a, than a counselor or therapist or psychologist or something. They're like, you actually just, I just feel better when I talk to you. And, and, and then we, you know, we have actionable items at the end when I talk to you and you actually listen. Mm-hmm. And again, I think just because I, I, and I appreciate that about, I appreciate people's story. I mean, I, I call it gossip, but, you know, but then I got to know them and I got to know their family and I could check back in with them. And, you know, when I would see them again, I would go, Oh, how's that thing? And how was that, you know, stress or that vacation or that boss or yeah. how's marriage counseling going, you know? And then they were like, Oh, let me tell you the rest, you know? <laughs> and sometimes that's all you need <laughs> when it comes to hormones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like the, to have that platform, to be able to, to share some things that maybe not, a, nobody will even be able to talk about with anybody else. It's, it's really great. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. The topic we're speaking about today, or we, we wanted to kind of go through is the strobilome. And um, can you sort of 
tell us a little bit about this and why it's so important for us to look at? It's a combination of two words. So the estrobilome is the estrogen microbiome, and then you squish it together and it becomes a strobilome, which we were saying prior to this, it's, it's my favorite word in science right now because <laughs> it's just fun to say, but it, it's the part of the gut, it's the part of the microbiome that handles whether or not you're going to reabsorb your estrogen and, and other hormones, but estrogen into your body. So if you are a man or a woman and you are done with an estrogen and it's been packaged up in a box with a bow on it, sent through detoxification, once it hits your intestines, it's supposed to go out. It's supposed to go all the way out, you know, into the toilet and beyond. But the estrobilome, if it's dysfunctional, if it's if it's got problems, what it will do is it will untie the bow and lift off the lid and that estrogen will get reabsorbed back into the body. So some men and women actually have estrogen problems, not because of how they produce it, but because of their intestinal health and it's causing it to get reabsorbed. So it's really, really important when we look at how you clear your estrogen out of your body. Mm -hmm. So so some of the conditions that would have potential dysfunctions with the estrobilome are what? Like, I know one of them's like endometriosis is mm -hmm. one. What are some of the others? Yeah, endometriosis is definitely a big one. Um, anything that's sort of that estrogen dominant state, so PMS, you know, uh, weight gain, heavy periods, fibroids, polyps, um, Kaladi periods, uh, breast tenderness, breast enlargement, anything sort of breast related as it relates to estrogen, um, all of that can really be affected by the gut, by this estrobilome. Gotcha. Okay. So you talk a lot about detoxification of estrogen. I guess this is a key part of that, you know, when we're, we're looking at the strobilome and the gut's role in detoxification. Um, can you just take us through just some basics of like phase one, phase two? I think you were the first one to talk to me about phase 2.5 and also <laughs> phase three detoxification, which I did not learn about in naturopathic school. That was not even mentioned, um, even though I'm getting up there in age that wasn't too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's um, you know, and I don't, I just, I don't think they actually just put. I mean, we we learned, we learned like it goes to the liver, and then it goes through the kidneys or the intestines, and out it goes. But so it's only kind of recently that we've labeled them as, as phases. And honestly, phase two point five, um, full credit goes to Dr. Kelly Halderman, who's an MD, and she she sort of called started calling it that. And I thought, man, that's brilliant. So phase one, uh, so when you go through detox you go through these essentially three phases. So when you when you have a, a chemical, a medication, a hormone, anything in the whole body, phase one is where you go through the liver and it's where you convert your estrogen into what we call a metabolite. So basically it's taking your estrogen and presto changeo, converting it into a metabolite so it can continue down through the detoxification pathway. Now, the problem with phase one is that some of the pathways in there, some of your options are, are, are cancerous and some of your options cause things to grow. So that's not good. And then, and then one of your options, we consider it like the less cancerous. It's kind of like the better of the options. And so when we're, when we're looking at women in estrogen, I want to make sure she's going down the less cancerous pathway, the less cancerous option. I don't, I don't want her to increase your risk for breast cancer. And I don't want her to have to, to grow things like 
heavy, you know, or, uh, heavy periods, clots, fibroids, what have you. So it's important that the phase one is sort of directed the right way. Then it goes through phase two. And phase two is where you take that metabolite and you essentially what we call neutralize it. So you you make it so it can't hurt anything, so it, it can't do much. It's it's not going to backfire on the body. And so phase two uses an enzyme uh, known as, it's called COMT, COMT. And COMT is basically the enzyme that helps to, to neutralize it, like puts the fire out. And so by knowing what your en- what, how your enzyme is functioning, your COMT, and by knowing some of the cofactors that go with it, like magnesium, which is a big one, and uh, some of the B vitamins and other things, that can be really helpful for estrogen detox. Now, once you do that, you have to move it from inside the cell, whatever, in the cell, usually it's in the liver, so the cell in the liver, and you have to get it out. You have to get it out into circulation so that it can go to the kidneys or it can go into the bile and then on into the intestines. So phase 2.5, Dr. Holderman said, you know, that's actually the ability to get from inside the cell to outside the cell. It's a whole process to get in to out so that it can it can go to where it needs to go. And a lot of times we talk about bile health and, and gallbladder health here. <coughs> Excuse me. And so by understanding how your bile health is, how your gallbladder is, and a lot of women don't have gallbladders. A lot of women have had their gallbladder removed and therefore they and they struggle with hormones as a result. And then lastly, phase three is just what we talked about with the estrobilome. It's how well, basically, how well do you have a bowel movement? You know, do you do you poop every day? And can you get that estrogen out? Or do you struggle with gas and bloating and constipation and candida or maybe parasites? And so it sounds rather complex with all these different phases of estrogen, but the body is is smart, the body is intelligent and you know, puts it on a path so it can go from, you know, doing it active and on and doing its job all the way to the end to where it's inactive and ready to be excreted in a healthy manner. Well, thanks for walking us through that. I'm, I mean, I, I want to just mention that, you know, that's like a, at least a four hour course in itself um, that you said that you made a synopsis out of um there's you know there's a lot to learn and that was really good to kind of set up the structure so you know for someone who's thinking about this problem what would they typically see on like a lab test when there's disruptions in this process or estrogen clearing oh that's such a good question and it's important for people to know too that um I will often have the question, well, I have PMS, so where is my detox problem? Like, I don't know. It's a really good question. It could be phase one. It could be phase two. It could be phase three. It could be all of them, two of them. So on traditional lab testing, as an example, women will say, I got my blood drawn and I was told I'm estrogen dominant. I have more estrogen than progesterone. So what phase is that? Like, well, that estrogen, just looking at estrogen is, is just exactly what you think it is. It's just looking at estrogen and the, and the active one is called estradiol. And so by just knowing that level, it doesn't tell us anything about your detoxification. In order to look at specifically phase one and phase two, which is usually in the liver, we look at urine testing, believe it or not. So patients will urinate on um, you know, a strip of paper or they'll do a 24 hour urine and they will see what their phase one and what their phase two is doing. And then the phase three is done in stool testing. So I'll say, okay, now we have to poop in a cup for science because I need to evaluate 
what the estrobilome is doing. I need to look at a marker specifically known as beta-glucuronidase, which is a big word, but that's the enzyme that affects estrogen in, in, the, in the intestines. And so it can be looking at this whole thing can be kind of comprehensive, you know, for some, for some men and women, they get a little bit overwhelmed because they're like, well, that's a lot of testing, like can be a lot of testing, but wow, we get a lot of data points and we get a lot of information to make what to do a lot more personalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I want to get into beta glucuronidase in a second here, because that's such an important marker for um, the estrogen dysfunction and what, you know, just kind of backing out a little bit, what kind of basic symptoms in the gut would someone see with estrogen dysfunction? Do we see like more constipation, more bloating, or is that just sort of normal kind of behavior of estrogen throughout a cycle? Uh, honestly, constipation is a big one. If a woman or man says that they don't have a bowel movement uh, every day, they're more on the constipated side and they have all the estrogen symptoms then I start to think it's probably something going on with the estrobilum. Now, other symptoms can be included here, just like you said, bloating, you know, gas, um, just um, upset stomach, you know, even a history. Sometimes when men or women say I have a history of parasites, I have a history of candida, and I feel like those symptoms are coming back. And that may be the cause and the reason for the bloating and constipation, but the fallout is that those then result in higher estrogen. So having candida or having a parasite, having a worm, or maybe eating foods all the time that you shouldn't, maybe dairy, dairy's constipating to you. Um, we know the constipation is due to the dairy as an example, but the end result is it's going to ultimately affect your estrogen. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, let's say that there's symptoms of estrogen dysfunction, and we're starting to see this on the analytes and the urine test um, that there may be some dysfunction in clearance. And you get a stool test back with beta-glucuronidase high. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's that tell you about what's going on in the gut and what, what does that mean? So it's an enzyme. Um, so beta-glucuronidase is uh, specifically the thing in the estrobilome that we look at. It's specifically the enzyme as I was saying earlier, that will untie the bow and take off the lid and allow estrogen to fly free. So the more, the higher your beta-glucuronidase, the more bows and packages that are getting untied and opened up and the more estrogen that's floating around. Now, beta-glucuronidase isn't all bad. That's the next question I usually get. Like, oh, do I want it to be zero? You don't. It's, it's really important for other digestive purposes, but it's kind of like Goldilocks. You know, we want not too much and not too little. It has to be just right. So when it's high, then we tend to see high estrogen symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the listeners, I just, we're not going to go in this too much, but just if you could just comment there, there's a lot of things you can do for high beta glucuronidase. I mean, yeah. this isn't just like you find it and you say, oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of action steps. Yeah. Right? I mean, even just simple things like getting more pre and probiotics and adding more fiber into your diet. You know, as you, you know, most people don't get enough fiber in their diet. And if they're, if they're struggling with constipation and, you know, they're dehydrated and low fiber, just that's step one and step two, get the bells moving, moving, and that can help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, the beta-glucuronidase is usually connected with, um, from my understanding, like a dysbiosis or mm-hmm. some kind of imbalance of the 
gut flora. Yep. Um, is that something that usually um, when you address that, does beta glucuronidase improve? Yes. Yeah. Especially, and that's why I like doing like you, that's why I like doing testing. I want to know specifically what might be causing it to be imbalanced versus just thinking, oh, I have estrogen problems. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to try fiber. Well, fiber is great. And like I said, it's like the number that and hydration are like number one and number two, fiber and water are not going to get rid of a worm. You know, they're not going to get rid of, yeah. you know, if you've got giardia or, you know, candida, or if you, you're eating fried food all the time. And so that you've got this microbiome that's, you know, kind of geared towards the unhealthy and so, or alcohol, alcohol will completely affect your microbiome. And if you're drinking two glasses of wine every night, can understand why you have gut issues. It goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And also um, there's been some um, information about long-term use of oral contraceptives mm-hmm. is that that's still mm-hmm. um, so. yes yeah and women will say that they'll say i've been on the birth control pill for 10 years and and not even realizing they're connected and they'll go oh and by the way i've had gut issues you know for 10 years yeah you know one of the interesting things that um i learned from you or you actually helped me connect some dots on is um how beta glucuronidase is not just kind of mobilizing the estrogens that you're trying to um, eliminate, but it's also can be um, reabsorbing, I'm sorry, reabsorbing the estrogens you're trying to eliminate. Um, It also could be reabsorbing um, xenobiotics and Mm -hmm. other estrogen-like materials from the environment that are passing through your gut. And I don't think, um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Like if you drink out of a hot plastic water bottle is an example. You know, if you, if you're using skincare products that are full of chemicals and they can act estrogen, like if you're putting fertilizer in your yard, in your garden, um, and you're breathing it in or getting it on your hands and it's acting estrogen, like you, your body still has to run that through detox detoxification. And again, in the same way, if your beta glucuronidase is high, it's going to affect the reabsorption back into circulation. Mm-hmm. So when, when the estrogen gets back in the body, um, does it look exactly like estradiol that came out or is it, yes. does it have some modification? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nope. It'd be, that'd be really nice. I, we would appreciate it on lab testing if it would be like specially tagged and we could see, yeah. we could tell the difference, but nope, it looks just the same as it was when it was created out of the, out of the ovaries as an example. Okay. Okay. Wow. So other hormones that may be influenced by gut health, or is there any others that you think of that have some research behind them? Yeah, actually, all the hormones are really greatly affected by gut health. So any, you know, any inflammation in the gut, of course, is going to affect cortisol, um, which is our stress hormone. And then, you know, just inflammation in general can affect progesterone. It can affect how a woman ovulates. And when it's after ovulation, once she releases that egg, that's when she makes progesterone. We do make hormones. There are, um, you know, uh, microbes that make hormones in the gut. So you, you could be skewed to having a microbiome that does make, you know, a little bit more hormone or a little bit less hormone. And so the gut has a huge role in, 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 in feedback loops and, and in how the body handles hormones. Okay. Um, and so you've already talked a lot about this, but, um, you know, you're, you're sort of overseeing the Dutch test and 
what would be kind of the general flow if someone has estrogen problems? Like what, how would they go about this? Would they first do the Dutch test or first do gut testing or does it not matter? So that's a great question. It depends if you are look if you want to see start to finish, then you would do the Dutch test, which Dutch is an acronym, stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. Um, but we are not a stool test. We are a urine test. So we look at phase one and phase two, and therefore this stool test would be phase three. Now, when we address imbalances, we, we, so I teach it as one, two, three. So you understand the flow, but you address it as three, two, one, right? Cause if you, if you have constipation, I can do anything in the whole world to your liver, but if you can't poop it out, then it's, it's going to be problematic. You're just going to reabsorb it. And so for some people where gut is their biggest um, complaint, if gut is your, you know, you've constipation, gas bloating, whatever, then start there, just get the stool test and start there and then work backwards. Mm -hmm. And there's other tiers to this. I mean, you know, I think as we get into understanding estrogen problems, you know, cleaning up the gut and then mm -hmm. also cleaning up your environment, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's hundred percent. Yeah. Why, you know, why add, why, why use chemical fresheners and skincare products and, you know, gardening stuff or whatever you, maybe your hobby includes chemicals. Like just be aware of what you clean your house with and what do you live around? Are you, you know, do you live near a paper mill? Are you living by an airport? Like all, you know, then, then, then look at your air quality. So it does require, um, it, you know, reading labels and, and being proactive. Even like I said earlier, alcohol, I have women that say, well, you know, I have, I have glass or two of wine every night. Um, and I'll, but they have a lot of estrogen issues. I'm like, you know, unfortunately I think that alcohol is really compounding your estrogen issues. I think you need to cut back. That's going to affect the way you detox. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, there's a, a couple more questions and, um, that I haven't just, and, you know, I could talk to you for a long time on this, but, <laughs> um, one of the questions that comes up a lot, you know, when people get their Dutch test back is like, you know, if there's estrogen issues in the luteal phase, is that, I mean, if we're seeing higher estrogen um, comparatively in the luteal phase, which is the second phase of the cycle, um, is that sort of what flags for problems with clearance of estrogen? Um, at the time of testing, yes, at the time of testing. So when you do any test, so any, any like any urine test, but Dutch testing, in the luteal phase, then that's what it's evaluating. It's evaluating that estrogen on that day in that phase, and you can see what's going on. Okay, so it gives you the snapshot of yes. when that dysfunction would li largely appear. Correct. So, Correct. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, any kind of future areas that you're looking at in this arena that you know maybe you're thinking about or researching? You know, um, we, well, so when it comes to the Dutch in particular, uh, yes, we always have all sorts of R&D going on. So we do have, we're looking at some additional um, organic acids. We're actually looking at some additional ways to test cortisol because cortisol can really impact, um, well, so many things when it comes to hormones. And um, we are not, we as a company are not looking at going into stool testing, but I do know that some, there are some really great stool testing companies out there and their research and development is really, really cool. And what they're looking at for the microbiome. So I'm, I'm excited to see how really all the lab companies are continuing to grow and explore and, and research um, 
so we can continue to put all this together. And so we can continue to help, you know, men and women when they, when they struggle with estrogen issues, estrogen symptoms, estrogen conditions, you know, reducing things like estrogen related cancers, like, like how great if we can just continue to improve upon these, you know, detoxification processes and reduce risk, reduce symptoms. Yeah. And I think your work also ties really well in with nutrigenomics. And you talk a lot about like the genes that are involved and how we can influence and support genetics. So I, I, I always like to people to know that, you know, when you get these results back, um, especially working with you, I mean, the, the Dutch test um, analysis is just so thorough and it gives you such great insight and ideas about what you know what you can do versus just kind of coming coming back with data with no actionable steps right and it's the, that's what i like about uh estrogen detoxification is that that's um it's not something that you have to just suck it up and deal with like it's so yeah. actionable there are so many things you can do and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money you know i, I will have women that will say well how much is this going to cost me to to improve my detoxification. I'm like, well, actually, if we let's start with the gut, like let's, let's work backwards. And there's so much we can do from diet and lifestyle and hydration and, you know, choices first supplements are great. There are a lot of supplements that can be very helpful. Um, but you, women can, and men can really be proactive and get things moving again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, you've been just wonderful to speak with and as always, you share such good insight and I would love if you could leave us with some take home messages about this. And it's also just going to leave us with some information about how to follow your work or anything that you're working on that you want to share with our audience. Yeah. My, you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> That's where I hang out mm. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's at my handle is at dr. Dot Carrie Jones. And I, uh, do work is you said I work, I'm the medical director for Dutch. So full disclaimer, However, all of my posts are education. My whole goal is to empower women to understand hormones, even the hard stuff, so that um, you know they can go and talk to their, their doctor and their, their practitioner about it and understand what's going on. So that's where I tend mm -hmm. to hang out. And then the, honestly, the take home message is to test, don't guess. Don't just, you know, just don't just assume, oh, I'm going, you know, I read about this one, you know, this product, I read this estrogen product online, I'm going to take it because the number of women that write me and say, so I didn't test and I saw an ad on Instagram and I bought the product and I feel worse. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's the yeah. product for you. You know, that's, that's why testing is helpful. So that I don't want you to waste your money. I want to be really specific when it comes to detoxification and it's detoxification. So I don't want you to screw it up. Meaning, that, right? I don't want when we think estrogen. This whole this 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 show is about estrogen, but we forget that everything goes through the liver. So just because you're speeding up or slowing down something around estrogen, it a hundred percent means you're going to speed up or slow down around every other chemical and medication you're taking or around or exposed mm -hmm. to. So mm -hmm. it's it doesn't work. There's no silo. There's no independent lane for estrogen. It gets funneled in with everything else. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to manipulate the liver. Mm -hmm. That's excellent knowledge and, and suggestion. Thank you so much. Um, well, we really appreciate your time. I know you've got a run here and um, you've been very generous and we'll continue to learn for you and hope to continue to Oh, most definitely. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the One Thing Podcast. Please share these episodes with your friends, loved ones, colleagues, patients, healthcare providers, anyone who you feel might benefit from hearing these informative interviews. We tend to learn best from people sharing things with us. That's often the first time it's introduced. So don't hesitate if these the content of these episodes reminded you of someone that might benefit from it. Forward the, the episode to them and I'm sure they'll either appreciate it or be appreciative that you've thought of them. So once again, we'll look forward to seeing you next episode on the One Thing Podcast. And again, much appreciation for you being here with me.